Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 278 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. I'm Patrick. He's Justin. And, uh, Justin, today's the day. It is. The Jays have reported to camp. Pitchers and catchers are there. Everybody's there, really. But, I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, everybody's already there. I, I don't think... I don't think anybody's missing. I've seen pictures of everybody. Springer and, and Bichette have been there for at least a week. Yeah, I think lots of guys, well, lots of guys obviously live down there. The longer tenured guys that have bought homes in yeah. Florida. To, and Bo's from Florida, too, which helps for him. But, yeah, lots of guys live down there in the off season because obviously the weather's yeah. nice. You can keep working out on a ball diamond year-round if you live in Florida. Must be nice. Yeah, I mean, I'd say most of those guys, especially the older ones, probably do that just because you got to stay sharp 100% of the time because you never know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it gives you, even if you're not doing baseball activities, it gives you a nice warm climate to, like, go yeah. for a run or just, like, do random stuff with your family or play golf, you know, like, stuff to keep you active, or even if you're not doing baseball activity 100% of the time, so yeah yeah it's just a good climate um, for athletes <laughs> it's it's an exciting time though where uh we're getting close to that that time of year where um the remaining free agents have to find a team to play with not necessarily they could just choose to not play and not make money you know that's <laughs> true but you would think that a player like cody bellinger who's coming off of like a career renaissance year would just sign we'll talk about all this at the end of the show yeah but it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a frenzy in the next month it's gonna be crazy teams are gonna make trades guys are gonna sign in random places it's also gonna depend on any injuries that crop up once grapefruit league and cactus league action starts too right if oh any God, of those free agents yeah. are still out there at that point that if any needs open up let, let's Say, for example, Pete Alonso gets hurt and the Mets might need a first baseman, they would go get Cody Bellinger, for example, because he can play first base, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, just that'd be the most Mets thing example. ever to happen. They're, yeah, they they, pay... they'd sign him to like a mega deal, and then two, two weeks later, Pete Alonso comes back and then just have Cody Bellinger just to play outfield. <laughs> yeah. Accumulating oh, negative And then they'll trade him at the trade deadline and... for, yeah. for nothing like they had to do with Verlander and Scherzer. Uh, all the Mets. So, I'm just excited. We have a yeah. lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about Vladdy's arbitration. I know we're late on that. We got the official signing of Yariel Rodriguez to talk about. Yep. We ha now have numbers. We're going to profile him a tiny bit. And then we're going to talk about some of the spring training stuff that's been tweeted out by all of our favorite reporters, uh, including Keegan and Caitlin and uh, Scotty Mitch and others um but yeah this is an exciting time man it's i'm excited for baseball to be back i know we've been pretty critical about this team moving into deservedly so spring training absolutely yeah uh the moves have been underwhelming uh happy to have stronger pitching i mean i do think yariel rodriguez is like a positive signing for sure couple of head scratchers and then a lack of moves on the third base front i don't know if it's gamesmanship or what but i i don't know i have a hot take that i previously was very adamantly against and now i'm for and we'll talk about that too when we get to 
spring training as well. Let's cap it off, though, with one of my favorite things that happens every year, uh, which is the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame has elected uh, a number of people to the hall. So big congratulations to Ashley Stevenson, Russell Martin, Paul Godfrey, Jimmy Key, Rod Heisler, and Howard Burney. Welcome to the hall. Uh, this is a fantastic lineup. Um, what do you think, Justin? Who should we talk about first? Should we just go right into Russell Martin? Or... Yeah, let's talk about old Rusty. Is he the best catcher the Jays have ever had? That's a great question, actually. Um, mm, it's tough, right? It doesn't include Danny Jansen, so I'll say no. Because Danny Jansen is the greatest baseball player of all time. We all know that. He is the GOAT. He's the only Blue Jays catcher who has made me buy his jersey by hitting more than one home run in a game. So, and he did it twice last year. Lucky, I, luckily, I bought a jersey the first time. But you know, so, <laughs> well, let's okay. Let's just talk about. We'll talk about Russell Martin's career as a whole. Obviously, he had a great stretch in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, good with the Yankees too. Good with the Yankees. He started his career with the Dodgers. He's a four-time All-Star. Uh, he got down ballot MVP votes in 2013, 2014, and 2015 when he was with the Jays. Yeah, played on when some good teams too. Made the playoffs 10 of the 14 years. Uh, yeah, and uh, he was good all the way up to 2018, and that's when he really he's the knees left him. Yeah, he just fell off a cliff, and uh, the power was completely gone from his swing. We've made the jokes about the plastic shopping bag, and <laughs> I don't know. There's a time and place for levity, and this isn't really it. I would say, like, looking back at that uh, four, I guess it's only a four-year stretch with Jay. Jeez, I thought it was longer. Um, we got what we wanted out of him, for sure. He's a tremendous behind-the-plate, good defensively. Um, definitely worthy of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, for uh, sure. I don't know if he makes the big haul. He's definitely very good, but I don't think he has the bat. It'll be interesting to see how they handle his Hall of Fame case when he's eligible in a couple of years. I I like just think year, I, I think, think he'll he's eligible actually. Yeah, next year. Jeez, it's been I that think long. he'll probably float on the ballot for all ten years. I could see him being on there for a while. Yeah. I just don't see, even at his peak, um, offensively, which was that year that he was 13th place in MVP voting with Pittsburgh, where he played 111 games, 11 home runs, 67 RBIs, 832 OPS. Like, that's, like, still down ballot MVP. Like Yeah, pretty far down. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to be a good – like, he was – he was good for a very long time, like basically his whole career until he was 35. But no, oh no, because he bounced back the following year. No, nah, both those years weren't good. Oh, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, we're getting too far down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I'd say his first 11 years were, I would say he was good to very good. Yep. Um, and consistent. Uh, I, I can't say much about his defense. He did only win one gold glove. but yeah, Gold gloves don't mean anything. Yeah, they Jeter don't. Has. 
he does have one gold glove, one silver slugger, four all-star. The hardware isn't quite there. Uh, by the way, happy birthday to Russell Martin. He turns 41 today. Oh, wow. Yeah, it says it right here on Baseball Reference. 41 <laughs> years old today. Yeah. Um, hard not to love Russell Martin. For sure. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, a, a great addition to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I want to talk about Jimmy Key next, because this is a guy... This is weird to me. Well, it's not weird that he's in the Hall, but... Uh, he's not... I mean, he's American. He's born in Huntsville, Alabama. Yep. Um, but his contributions to Canadian baseball are because he played uh, the first eight seasons of his career with the Toronto Blue Jays. I like that he's a lefty already. Or nine, nine seasons, sorry. <laughs> um, so during his time as a Toronto Blue Jay, he won 116 games and had a 3.42 ERA. Um. He had a 1.196 whip, which is pretty darn good. Not really like a strikeout champion, just yeah. kind of a guy that he chewed up innings, man. He had uh, a stretch there from 85 to 87 where he pitched well over 200 innings. 1992 World Series champion. Uh, yeah. And actually, what's funny is after he left Toronto, he started getting down ballot MVP votes. He was an all-star in back-to-back -back years. I mean, it helps Yankees. when you go to the Yankees, get some visibility. But he was also very yeah. good in his first two years there as well. So. Yeah, he was fourth place Cy Young in 93, second place Cy Young in 94. Who won it in 94? Was that Randy Johnson? I no. have no idea. Uh, No, it was uh, David Cohn. Okay. Randy Johnson was third. Oh, Randy. Wow. Anyway, Jimmy Jimmy Key had a fantastic career, but he fell off of the uh, the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Uh, he started. He appeared on the ballot in two thousand four, and accumulated zero point six percent of the votes and fell off, which is crazy for a guy who logged as many innings as he did and finished with a career ERA of what was it uh, three point five one. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably looked at how the last few years of his career went he was still good though. dealt with some injuries like in 95 and 98 i think yeah i could see that but he still pitched pretty well yeah he still is fine i mean it's more than serviceable in two years in between there but yeah i don't know i think it's just the the body of work like the the initial stretch was great and then just like russell martin tapered off towards the end you know all of hall of very hall good of very good for sure yeah definitely uh, absolutely worthy of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He was a huge part. The Jays, he was with them when they were really good in the 80s, right? And they yep. were competing. Division championships. In, yep. Um, and then he was with the team when they won their first World Series. And that's when he, you know, got the bag from the Yankees. Good yep. for him. Good for him. Happy for him. Not bitter whatsoever. Would have been nice if he had been on the team, but whatever. Okay. Um, he got paid good bank. Happy yeah. for him. Uh, what a great career, and definitely he's a guy who will, I think, eventually get into the big, the bigger hall. Disagree, but you're allowed through to the veterans that. committee. Well, we can agree to disagree. <laughs> um, Paul Godfrey is next. 
one of the guys who's responsible for bringing the Blue Jays to Toronto. He people forget. Yeah, people forget about Paul Godfrey. He's now in his his eighties. He's uh, eighty four now, I believe, or eighty five now. He just turned eighty five. Born in nineteen thirty nine. Just crazy. He's from Toronto. He's a local guy. Um, it was in nineteen sixty nine. There's a story here. The ambitious thirty year old politician paid his way to the Major League Baseball winter meetings in uh, Ball Harbor, Florida. He waited for then-commissioner Bowie Kuhn at the bottom of a set of stairs in the hotel and boldly approached the commissioner, telling him he wanted to secure a big league team for Toronto. Um, commissioner Kuhn told Godfrey that he would have to have a baseball stadium in Toronto before they'd even consider it. So Godfrey uh, returned to Toronto, and he set his sights on getting a team and eventually seeing a dome stadium built. Of course, we all know that the Jays started at Exhibition Stadium for the first a while and then before the sky dome was built but uh yeah definitely uh paul godfrey is one of the big reasons if not the biggest reason um, for getting the conversation started for baseball to come to toronto so without his uh aggression and pursuing things with mlb and politically locally the jays may never have existed so pretty uh pretty also cool serving godfrey served as the president and ceo there for that there was a good stretch. They were actually really good during that eight years that he was a president from 2000 to 2000. Yeah, they, they've, that was I mean, right when Rogers bought the team and he, he more than doubled the payroll. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you had like guys win awards. You had Hinsky win the rookie of the year. You had Doc win a Cy Young. They had some mm-hmm. good players come in and just never quite could crack that wild card race back then was good because of the way it was uh, formatted with only one wild card team per league. So definitely yeah, uh, had a few good years underrated move was in 04 the team had purchased the sky dome for only 25 million dollars right, yeah. which was like a fraction of what it cost to build that monstrosity yep uh which was a huge gain for the team so godfrey it's weird at different times in his life was uh, a big a you know a, a guy who helped to bring uh baseball to toronto but also later in his life in the 2000s helped keep the team from you know crashing and burning uh <laughs> after the 90s kind of similarly to the expos where they yep they just weren't getting the, they didn't have some they didn't have a paul godfrey to advocate for them the same for sure. way which um, is pretty astonishing Let, yeah. well, there's one more player i want to talk about or one more person and then we'll we'll move on for sure that's ashley stevenson i i want i, I know we were talking about this before the show yep but um, I, I knew nothing about her until I had read it. She's a two-sport athlete. She's mm-hmm. actually a hell of a hockey player. Yep. But she also has had like an, a fantastic career in baseball. You've got uh, – you had a bit of a profile on her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was a big part of uh, the Canadians women's national team. 15 seasons yeah. competed with them and – uh, is now a coach with uh, the Vancouver Canadians Blue Jays High A affiliate. She started doing that in 2022 or 2023, excuse me. So um, and she'll do that out. again this season. So um, good to see that. But yeah, she's been, um, she was named a finalist in last year for Sabres uh, Dorothy Seymour Mills Lifetime Achievement Award, which is presented annually to a recipient who has demonstrated sustained involvement in women's baseball. So pretty cool. Uh, Sabre is one of the, um, organizations involved in 
gold glove voting their uh, saver defensive index is used as a portion of gold glove recipients so a lot of analytics going into it and yeah they recognize a a woman every year who has demonstrated sustained involvement in women's baseball and she was nominated for that so pretty cool yeah her whole like basically adult life has been baseball i mean she's 44 now and 15 years she played for the women's national team and has been heavily involved as a coach and a manager since then so Good for her. Back check for you. She's actually 41 according to Wikipedia, which means she's the same age as Russell Martin. Oh, oh yeah, look sorry. At, she's 41. Look, she, her birthday is in November. Yeah. Look at all of her career accomplishments, and she like, she, it's like double oh, yeah. Russell Martin. A lot she's, of medals. Played two sports, <laughs> right? It's crazy. Because yeah. she's played in the women's baseball World Cup, and she won a ton of medals. Mm-hmm. Actually, she won a medal. I think almost every year she played. That's crazy. That's pretty uh, amazing. But, yeah, it's it's funny how sometimes players, Canadian players, will get lost in the shuffle because everybody looks at the big league. But Ashley Stevenson has, you know, had an, uh, an amazing footprint on Canadian baseball. And now that she's a coach for the Vancouver Canadians, I'm really I'm, – I'm interested to see. I She might actually uh, – now that she's kind of affiliated with the Jays, it might be interesting to see where her career goes as a coach from here. Yeah, very, very, definitely very interesting. Um, but yeah, no, that, and then the other two folks inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, they'll be inducted this summer in June. Rod Heisler, who was a pitcher for Canadian national team from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and Howard Burney, who was an executive with Baseball Ontario for a very long time. So a couple other folks uh, getting inducted as well. But uh, let's move on to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Patrick. This is old news for most now, but we want to give our two cents on it. Uh, Vladdy won his arbitration case, Patrick. The Blue Jays had filed at $18.05 million, while Vladdy and his team had uh, filed at $19.5 million. Um, Vladdy did win. There was an article written by David Singh on Sportsnet.ca, uh, no, maybe it wasn't David Singh. It was somebody else. David Singh wrote one about Yariel Rodriguez that they have open, but uh, they were comparing Vladdy to a bit to Pete Alonso. They've kind of had similar trajectory in terms of arbitration. Alonso's going to make just over twenty million this year, so Vladdy's a little bit behind him now. But uh, it's Vladdy's second last year of team control. Patrick only has one more year after this before he and Bo Bichette, among others, will hit free agency. And uh, are this, you nervous? I I'm a little bit nervous in a sense that. I was hoping, and I think we both were, that even last winter that the Jays would extend Vladdy because his value had fallen off after 2021, and it continued to do so this year compared to what the trajectory was looking like initially. Obviously, he's still like a, a $20 million player, as as evidenced by this arbitration case, and even the Jays at, at 19 or 18.05 uh, million view him still highly uh, in that sense, but... It's very interesting to me that there is a that's a pretty big gap for arbitration as far as it goes. There was a two and a half million dollar gap between the Jays and Bo before they had signed that mini contract there to avoid the last few years of arbitration. But um, yeah, it is a, it is a bit nerve wracking. S- even though Vladdy has said yeah he like he wants to stay in Toronto, but I mean there just hasn't been any dialogue that has ever been anything substantial. Um, about I, here's the problem. It's, it's scary. Here's why. Go all the way back to the year where he was second place in the MVP voting. Yeah. 
that was the time when his camp had the maximum leverage and there would be no earthly reason why the team would want to negotiate at that point come to the table 2022 there's a noticeable drop the team was probably fairly receptive to negotiating but still only one year removed from an MVP caliber season yeah Vladdy pro Vladdy's camp probably would have been less inclined to come to come to the table and then last year the team was probably super excited to negotiate at that point from a financial perspective but there's no way that Vladdy's camp would have gone to the table for to talk long term if they didn't have to last year because he wasn't he was average so this is the year I think where it either happens or it, or he's traded the following year. I hate saying that, but yeah, I know it's it's crazy to even talk about that. <laughs> he has stated from the moment that he was signed as like a fourteen year old or whatever the hell it was, sixteen, yeah, sixteen, whatever, that he want he's he sees himself as a career J. He said all the right things in the media. He's mm -hmm. always said the right things on every single interview he's ever done on Sportsnet. Uh, those check-ins with Hazel, everything is exactly the way that it's been since he was 16 years old. Fully committed to this team. Now he's on the cover of the show, 24, which I think we, we don't have about. to talk about <laughs> that as a pick uh, for a cover athlete or whatever. Because who cares? It's... I mean, it's I I think it's great, but it, whatever. Um, this this is his year. This is I think the prove it year. It has to be. If he if he goes out there and gives us a performance that's like ninety percent of what he had in his MVP year, yeah, lock it lock it down. Get that contract to him, whether it's thirteen or fourteen years. Just shut it down. Make it happen. <laughs> Move on. And I think it's different with Bo. I think Bo is going to be a last-minute thing. And I think he's maybe slightly less committed to this team than Vladdy is. But that's just because Vladdy has been a part of this organization since he was a kid. Uh, not that Bo wasn't, but Vladdy's been a part of the organization for longer. People forget Vladdy Sr. was a part of this team, uh, you know, at the tail, tail end of his career, right before he retired. And mm. Vladdy Sr. used that connection. There is a there is a threat of continuity there. So, I'm not nervous about them being <coughs> apart by, like, what is it? Um, $1.45 million? Whatever. Um, that's not that much money. It might be a lot for arbitration, but... I, it, there's it's just business i don't think vladdy gives a shit i don't think the team is concerned the hope is that he has a bounce back year and of course bo might be the most underpaid shortstop in the league <laughs> yeah um actually that's not true there are others who are pre-arbitration who are getting paid much less but at what is it nine million dollars for bo this year or something, something like, like that, that. It's, it's holy it's shit low. Yeah, it's low, but I mean that gives them the space to sign Yariel Rodriguez or to to sign uh, other free agents that are still in the pool right now that they're probably talking to. 
Uh, it'll be eleven million dollars for Bo this year. Close. Yeah, enough. that's. Yeah, that's like half of what he deserves to be paid, given yeah. what he's capable of. It's and what he's done, really, realistically. And what he's done, yeah. But I mean, that being said, I think the payoff for Bo is yet to come. Like, I think whatever contract he gets next is going to be massive. Like, I, agree. I yep. north of two hundred million for sure. Oh yeah. And the question is just how many years, and I I'm not saying that he's not as committed to the Jays as as Vlad, but yeah, I don't think we know that. <laughs> we don't. But Vlad has certainly been more vocal of the Correct. two. Correct. Yeah, you're right. And that dates back to when he was barely a teenager in the development system for the Jays. Yeah. So, Regardless, I mean, Vladdy needs to have a big year. No matter what yep. he, no matter what, because if he doesn't, then obviously he's in trouble financially. He will lose any leverage that he had remaining at that point. Yeah, um, I think if he actually has a down year, the contract, the extension, is more likely to happen. Uh, as opposed to if he had like a meteoric year, I actually think the probability—it's kind of a bell curve. Yeah, where if he has a bad year. It's more likely that the Jays would be rabid to do an extension, like rabid, like just nonstop going at him. I don't know. I think uh, I think both parties likely want an extension to happen. It's just a matter of oh yeah of when or how much. But I yeah. I would say I'm a two out of ten worried about Vladdy at this point, and I'm yeah. probably a seven or eight out of ten for Bo. Interesting. Yeah, and but but I think it's just because Bo's a quiet dude. He's not vocal the same way that Vladdy is about commitment to the team. Not that Bo's ever said anything negative. He has not. I want to be very clear. I'm not putting words into Bo's mouth at all. It's just Vladdy's very vocal about it. Bo is very quiet. Bo did sign the extension to get through arbitration years while Vladdy did not. And now Vladdy getting paid while Bo is, you know, paid half of what he deserves so and see for me right now like yeah. Bo's the guy i'd rather have long term bo bichette is the best shortstop i in team history probably okay ah that's a hot take i don't know if <laughs> i i'm no i'm not gonna walk it back i do think he is i think he has ceiling is yes. higher than tony's I agree. and uh, what we've seen from him the last like four years or whatever it is is definitely. Yeah, I mean he's led the league in hits yeah. like every year lately. So I mean it's. Yeah. He's definitely uh he's got power. He's got a little bit of speed. He hit for extra bases. His defense has much has been improving. So I mean yeah it's definitely there. But um, I'll qualify my 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 statement a little bit further. Tone, uh, Tony Fernandez developed defensively much faster than Bo has, mm-hmm. while Bo has developed offensively much faster than yeah, Tony Yeah, Bo did. came in bat first always. His bat drove him to the show, yeah. just like Vladdy's. Um, but Tony also was not the strongest shortstop no. defensively starting off, but he became, he became good. very yep. good. While Bo, I think, is maybe a little bit behind the Tony development I curve. I ain't mad about it either, because, I mean... This team is desperate for offense. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what I mean. We'll be talking about that as the spring continues as well, too. But uh, 
Speaking of offense, or lack thereof, the Jays signed another pitcher, Patrick. The uh, Yariel Rodriguez uh, signing was officially uh, announced last week. It's a five-year, $32 million contract. The fifth year is an option, and it's one of those kind of Chad Green-esque options where the player has first crack at it, and then the team can also opt into it. I don't have all the specifics, but Caitlin McGrath had broken it down for anyone who wants to look at it. Um, Yariel Rodriguez, Patrick, is uh, from Cuba. He spent about six years pitching there, predominantly as a starter, started his pro career before he went to Japan, where he played pitched in the Nippon League for a couple of seasons. Uh, at the 2023 WBC World Baseball Classic, he started two games for Cuba. And then he took the entire 2023 season off. And what he said was a move to let him focus on training for an eventual move to MLB. Um, the Jays were among teams who went down to the Dominican Republic in October for a showcase that Rodriguez had. Obviously, were impressed by him. They were linked to him throughout the winter and uh, signed him because uh, they were one of the teams who were willing to give him a chance to be a starting pitcher. Whether or not that happens immediately or he's worked into it is another story. He obviously has the background. I believe I read that one of the years he threw as much as I think it was like 130 innings or something. So he's done it before in Cuba. Yeah. Um, he's still only 26. He turns 27 this year. So it's not that he's way past his prime kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, the Jays already come into spring training with four starters locked into jobs in Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett, Jose Brios, and Yusei Kikuchi with Alec Manoa looking to rebound. We'll talk about him shortly. Uh, Bowden Francis, who pitched well in his time with the Jays last year. Mitch White, who rebounded late in the season in AAA and pitched himself back onto the 40-man roster, and now Rodriguez. So all of a sudden, the Jays have really four guys, you could say, competing for the fifth job, which is probably Manoa's to lose at this point. Um, but we've been screaming about lack of MLB starter depth or the ability to fill in for a guy i mean i wouldn't say that you know bowden francis or or mitch white are guys who are going to come in and you know win you 10 15 games but from what yeah. we saw from francis last year out of the bullpen in long relief and in a couple of uh extended outings he pitched quite well um, there was a nice yeah. thread from chris black who we've often cited on this show on twitter today about mitch white's late season turnaround now they're adding Rodriguez, who has a mid to high 90s fastball and an insanely good slider to the mix. So um, I'll let you talk in a second. But my, my opinion on this is that I think they should do kind of like the Aaron Sanchez initial buildup where he'll be kind of used as like that swingman um, reliever guy. I mean, he's got the velocity to play in the bullpen. And, I mean, if a starter ever gets knocked out in, say, the third or fourth inning, he's a guy who could get you once through the order perhaps and still build up that innings count. Or, I mean, they send him to Buffalo for two months and pitch him as a starter, and if somebody is struggling or gets hurt, he's ready. Either way, that's my viewpoint on it. So, all through the offseason, my position that this team has had the best pitching staff in baseball oh, yeah. uh, has been consistent. Yariel Rodriguez is adding on top of that. <laughs> and he's also a guy... How many times did I complain ever since we uh, did not re-sign Ross Stripling? We need a swingman. We need a swingman. We need a guy who can pitch 100 
plus innings and fill in and but also be a bulk guy and help us you know in those games where they're already down seven to two or whatever and <laughs> right. kind of give us stability right <laughs> yeah that's what strips did yeah um yariel rodriguez is the answer to that question the thing that kind of makes me a little bit sad is that means that by adding yariel rodriguez somebody else loses an opportunity who who sure. might have earned it last year and i feel like the person who's most likely to suffer from this signing not that anyone is suffering but the person most likely affected by this is Bowden Francis um because I saw Bowden Francis as that role last year and he performed admirably very under the radar oh for sure yeah not many people Should would we... look back and remember what he did last year so yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just bringing it up here on my computer right now, but um, him and his, like, John Waters mustache. He's got a great oh look. My. Looks like a ball player. He, he kind of looks – I think I already said this already. He looks like Bo from Super uh, Superstore. Yeah, yeah. Or su Yeah, the show from uh, – Yep. The show that was on NBC. I love that show, by it's the way. It's a good show, yeah. It was a great show. Anyway, um – a 1.73 ERA in 36.1 innings pitch. That's in an 8.26, a 0.826 whip. That's really good for a guy who... Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, he pitched point, 0.2 innings in 2022, which was effectively his Major League debut. But last year was really the year where he got to really sink his teeth into competing against Major League hitting on the regular right and um i i mean no notes yeah he gave i mean us... it's the jays staff is just from where the pitching staff was two years ago patrick we had i know kind of rowark pitching oh games we had tyler chatwood mucking it up like chase anderson was in the rotation at one point like there's just been yeah the the turnaround through both internal development as well as outside trades signings like bringing eric swanson in um it's been like getting jimmy garcia even or genesis cabrera you know homegrown guys like romano and Meza and pearson and and um I mean, Francis came over for Roddy Telez and was then developed. Mitch White came over and was kind of crappy, but is still kind of a system guy. I mean, it's they've brought in guys who have improved quite a lot within the organization, and I appreciate that. I think that's how you build sustainable teams is by developing a lot of players. And the bullpen, in terms of cost, it's the salaries are, are very low compared to like the rotation. Like the rotations obviously got the big free agent guys and gosman and bassett and then you sign brios to a long extension after a trade you bring in kikuchi on a very good deal and you have a guy like manoa who hopefully rebounds so i mean you look yeah. at the pitching staff and it's been a very good balance of development and acquisitions and that's how you build a good team it's gotta ha you can't go all all your eggs in one basket and they've done that so 
Yeah. Man, I this love Jose Barrios. I just uh, love having him on this team. I know. He's a great 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 guy, I think, uh, in terms of like the clubhouse. He's knock on wood, never missed a start in his big league career to date. And oh, man, he's just so good. He's rebounded. Just so good. Yeah. It's not just about him though. It's like the yeah, like if you compare the, the teams across or like the twenty nineteen Jays, twenty twenty Jays, twenty twenty one Jays, and so on and so forth. This like this really is like the golden age of the pitching for this yeah. team. I can't remember a time where the team was this good at the pitching position. And they have so much depth that yeah. Alec Manoa coming off of, you know, a disastrous season is is not at all concerning because they still have four guys. For sure. Who... Uh, I don't think any of them missed any time last season. No, the the Jays, and I, this that the one thing that we've we've both talked about throughout the off season that is a bit of a worrisome thing is that the Jays. I think Kevin Gosman missed one start. Yeah, right after the like right after the All Star break or something where he had yeah, like that's right, a back thing or whatever. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like <laughs> you'll you'll take you'll take missing one start and then being fine the rest of the way. The Jays just they had no IL time amongst their those guys. I mean, Manoa was allegedly injured at some point, but who knows what the real story is there. We may never know, but let's talk about Alec Manoa. Let's get into camp. Pitchers and catchers, it was the official first day of Blue Jays spring training camp today. Pitchers and catchers reported in. Alejandro Kirk is there this year. Last year he missed, uh, he was late due to his wife giving birth and yeah, came into camp a bit late and had a, a, a kind of a shitty season. So hopefully uh, everything is good with the family this year and he can come into camp and just get into the office right away essentially uh, Manoa was there um, Scott Mitchell from TSN some day one notes Manoa threw and Mitchell heard he's down around 30 pounds uh, Manoa shit. is scheduled to speak to some media members on Friday uh, Bowden Francis is built up as a starter his final role is still TBD uh, mm. Jordan Romano focused on his delivery this winter with his line to the plate um, his, he noticed how his velocity spikes when the when the delivery is right, and we saw that we saw him touch 100 miles an hour. In the other games, he was struggling to hit 95. So, hopefully, just having that consistency for Romano will unlock something. But yeah, good yeah. good to see Manoa. I saw a lot of images on Twitter today. Um, Keegan had posted a video of Manoa throwing uh, with a bunch of guys looking on, including Pete Walker and John Schneider. It was kind of um, cool. It's yeah. kind of cool seeing everybody like watching him throw, and oh, it's that's like how, just, yeah. a of, just a bunch of just a bunch of dudes with beards, bunch just of guys like watching. Being dudes. Yeah, and Manoa's yeah, got a great big beard too, which uh, which Keegan is also a fan of, and we'll talk about other beards in a second. But yeah, Manoa looks noticeably trim compared to last year. We saw a lot of social media videos from from him over the win over the off season. I can't even really say winter because it's still winter here. Um, so a lot of video over the off season of him working out quite hard. You. You love to see guys take the put like put the onus on themselves, right? He he knows he had a bad year. Some of it was due to him, and some of it was maybe due to some other factors. But who knows? Like he may have been injured at some point, but he definitely knows that in order to be effective, he's got to get himself in shape. We saw the same thing with Vladdy after his first couple of years in the bigs as well, too. Really putting in the effort in the gym and and in the uh, conditioning area to get right. So hopefully this uh, helps Manoa really turn things around and get back to being the dominant force, the big Puma, as he's called. 
Can I? I have to confess something. Yes. I, after how tough last year was, I feel really bad about how much criticism <laughs> we levied on him. Every everyone, yeah. I mean, it is. I, this is this is the this is the thing, and and we've talked about it before too on the show. Is in this day of accessibility and social media it's so much easier to levy criticism on somebody because it's just the world is an open forum right but I, i'm with you i just feel bad because it's not like any of us were rooting for him to no struggle no. but it's his job but, to be effective <laughs> yeah i know that and he's not above that criticism no whatsoever yeah. i think he's acutely aware of it i just feel bad because i think at times uh and we saw it in other podcasts and other media and all that and i'm not trying to throw anybody else under the bus mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we skirted around a very clear line of like what criticisms we had yeah and it, because it was pretty apparent by watching the game what, what, what some of the issues were <laughs> what some of the issues were and i don't really want to talk about that anymore at this point yeah yeah i just want to i just want to say out loud because i was so vocal about him coming into camp unprepared last year and then pretty obviously struggling yeah you know 10 to 15 pitches into every start um it's everybody loves a comeback story oh yeah we saw it with um, Barrios last year, Kikuchi last year, right? Yeah, and I, I want Alec Manoa to have that space and that opportunity, uh, and that trust in both the public and in the Jays to get like give him the space that he needs to do it. We give it to everybody else. There's no reason not to with Alec Manoa. You can dislike him for his personality on the mound if you want, and he's certainly put himself out there oh, in yeah. ways that, that a young pitcher would, but probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, pro he probably regrets those things too. And again, he's not above criticism, but I I think he deserves to have the space to bounce back. We've we've always been vocal about wanting that for him anyway, but yeah, it's there's, just there's nothing that would please us more than him coming out and regaining that Cy Young finalist form that he had. I reflected a lot about talking about Manoa again this year after how just relentless the conversations were all year long about the disappointment. I mean, really, his performance was the difference between being the third wildcard team and or second maybe, wildcard team, whatever it was, yeah. and winning a division title. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's dramatic. Yep. So... Seeing him come into camp, I don't. It's not about the him losing weight. It's not just that. It's preparedness. Yeah. Yeah, it, and he's there, and all eyes are going to be on him. And he probably knew that starting off. He had a fantastic personal off season. He got to run his camp for the third year in a row. He got married. It's just yeah, everything's going to come up. Alec Manoa this year, I think I he'll have so. the opportunity to compete for that spot. It's like you said, it's his to lose. The other thing I want to talk about, we just chatted about Bowden Francis. We're going to talk about him again. Him being built up as a starter is very interesting because it's the same thing they're saying about Yariel Rodriguez built up to be a starter or interested in having him as a starter. Yeah. A team can't have seven starters, and they're certainly not going with a six-man rotation when you have 
Kevin Gossman and Jose Barrios in it. Like they will pitch every five days if they're healthy, yep. no matter what. So the question becomes, where do these guys get their innings? And again, where Bowden Francis is built up as a starter, I'm starting to think he starts the year in Buffalo. And I believe he has options. He does. Yeah. yeah. I believe he has a, so, a year left here still. Yeah. The question is, do you lose, do you risk losing Mitch White? Do you risk losing Trevor Richards, or do you just cut Trevor Richards? Is he the hey, low man on the totem look, poles, metaphorically speaking? There's still seven weeks-ish until opening day, six, seven weeks. I know, but now it's time for us to, to plant these seeds. Uh, yes, discussion. but thing, things are going to happen. There will be injuries. Yeah. There will be guys who get traded. Whether it's Otto Lopez deals where they have to DFA him and he gets picked up for for cash by the Giants, like there's I'm happy for Otto, be, by the way. Yeah, I hope he has a chance to play in the in in the bigs. Yeah, and this is this is Bevan Francis's last option year, by the way. So you are correct there. Um, but that's there, probably why the Jays the Jays are kind of loaded with a lot of guys who don't have options left. I mean, Espinal's in his last option year now, and. Besides him, there's really nobody else on the bench. Like Ernie Clement doesn't have any options left. So if he doesn't make the team or isn't traded, he'll probably be DFA uh, by the end of spring training as well. So there are a lot of there are a lot of I would say I don't I don't want to cost him is mid level talents on this team. I would say like bench depth, uh, rotation, bullpen depth guys who are in a situation where if they don't perform in spring training, they won't be they may not be a blue Jay come opening day, you know? So it, there's, yeah. there's, there aren't very many spots open, but there are a lot of guys with a lot to lose. So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see games start in the next week or so here and, and see who's getting a lot of playing time early, because that's usually an indicator of the, on the bubble guys, you know, like we'll probably see a lot of Mitch White, a lot of Bowden Francis, a lot of Trevor Richards, a lot of uh, Clement, Espinal, guys like that who are really on the bubble of this roster right now. And it'd be uh, interesting I'll, to see how I'm they gonna, I'm just going to do because we have the time to do this. We might yep. as well do it now. Let's go through the list. Obviously, the ace is Kevin Gossman. Oh, yeah. Jose, Jose Brios is your second. Chris Bassett is your third. Yusei Kikuchi is your fourth. Uh, and then you've got, after that, we'll put Alec, even though Alec, it is Alec Manoa's job to lose, we'll put Alec Manoa, Bowden Francis. Mitch White, Yael uh, Rodriguez. Yeah, just give me one sec. i got to type it all up. Oh, I'm just looking on the Fangraphs roster resource. <laughs> I could use that, but I'm typing it all out in Notepad because I'm old. Yeah, you um, are. 80s, uh, Who's the fourth? Oh, Mitch White. Mitch White, so, yeah. If we, let's go through the pen. We've got Jordan, Jordan Romano, Romano, Eric Swanson. Oh, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to bring up the fan. Yeah, just give me a second. Blue Jays. Uh, depth chart. Depth chart. Yeah. And you'll find fan roster resource. It's got it all laid out for yeah, you. Yeah. I don't know why I'm typing this shit. Yeah. Shit out. I respect the hustle, but it was unnecessary. It was grossly <laughs> unnecessary. I'm just waiting. My internet has been not that great for the last little while on my computer i don't know why the ethernet cable is fine but it's taking forever to load this stupid page <sighs> maybe i just have too many bref tabs open you should check if the, the hamster in the uh in the modem 
see if it's see if it's running, or if maybe your potato needs to be replaced. Just give me a second. I know this probably, is bad. Your potato is probably th fermented. Um, I know this is probably really bad radio, but <laughs> who, who cares? A hundred people listen to us. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm still waiting for it to load, but we've got like. I, I can got... I can do it. I can read you the names if you'd like, as I'm I'm yeah. here. Well, I've been here. let's do the bullpen because we just named yeah. nine Romano, starters: Swanson, Garcia, Meza, Chad Green, and Yenesis Cabrera are guys I would say are locks. That's six. That's six guys. Plus and then, the five rotation spots. Yeah, so, and then you've got guys like Trevor Richards who don't have options left. Oh, jeez. I like, thought he was in that list. Okay. Nope. He's the se he'd be number seven. That would only leave you one bullpen spot, which Fangraphs classifies as the long reliever, which right now they've put Mitch White there, but it could be Mitch White because oh. of the options. It could be Bowden Francis, who does have an option left, like we already said, and it could be Yariel Rodriguez. Or, I mean, if one of these guys that we've mentioned, the top six plus Trevor Richards, get hurt in spring training or are traded for somebody who doesn't immediately come back into the into the roster, then that opens up another spot. But you've really got, I'd say, six and a half spots locked down. I'd say Trevor Richards is like a soft lock just based on the limitations you can't option him so he's like kind of a soft lock he has to pitch his way out of a job i would say this spring less so than he has to pitch his way in is how i look at it other people so may not think the same because i i have a soft spot for trevor richard's changeup. so <laughs> it's a great pitch i'm just i'm still trying to get i'm now trying to bring up this on my phone i don't know for whatever reason right now the internet where i am is terrible they turn the, the internet off after uh, 8 o'clock in Halifax, so we're coming up on that time. This is infuriating, man. I, there's nothing I can do to get on this friggin' page just to look at it. It's fine. It's driving me nuts. I've I got you. Yeah, but it's... I, I need to... <laughs> just hold on. I'm, I'm going to switch to data and see if that's any faster. Oh, God. Thank God. <laughs> okay. Old man here. Old man here is he's he's on the he's on the internet, folks. Three, four, five, but I mean, six, they have they have five and then eight, so thirteen. So who's the odd man out that's not on this list? Is it Bowden Francis? A dog just showed up. Um, yeah, it's Bowden Francis who's not on this list, and Yaya Rodriguez is not on the list yet either. They actually have him on Fangraphs listed as AAA starter, probably okay. due to the fact that he's likely not stretched out and if he's not going to be a flex kind of bullpen guy triple a is kind of uh where he may end up for that there reason. is room on this roster for us to have our cake and eat it too but it oh involves, god yeah it does involve uh, the really ugly a really ugly decision about trevor richards and mitch white yeah and i mean it's possible that they sh they shit the bed in spring training and are just traded or dfa you know like it's the jays need to break camp they can't do what they did last year and keep mitch white be because he has no options mitch white was the jays were fortunate enough that mitch white pitched badly enough that nobody claimed him on waivers and they dfa'd him last time but after the way he finished in AAA, he was very good over his last uh, five outings, over 26 innings. He was like an ERA of like 134 or something like that. He, teams may look to give him a shot if, if the Jays let him go for nothing, you know? 
So the Jays have to be careful with a, a guy like Mitch White. Trevor Richards, I'd be less sad about losing because Mitch White has the potential to start. You know, that's a bit more valuable. I'm going to say something. Go ahead. That I think the uh, this is tough. Just say it. <laughs> I think Chad. I think Chad Green and Trevor Richards are the two most tradable names out of all the names we've brought up. In terms of, tra- uh, I mean, the most likely to get traded. I wouldn't say the most tradable. There's other guys who have more value, obviously, but. But I mean, if we want to have our likely. cake and eat it too, then it requires two spots in the pen to be freed up for Yariel Rodriguez and Bowden Francis in order for it to work. Look, those two, those two guys need to pitch their way into the into the, the conversation. Yes, they do. Still. Yeah, they'll have to force the issue. Yeah. But I do think Trevor Richards is the most likely player out of all the ones we mentioned. Oh, I agree. Yeah, to, definitely. Uh, unfortunately, be dealt just because of volume. But I think the Jays are often very shrewd with these types of choices. And it's most likely that Bowden Francis will end up in AAA, which I don't, I strongly disagree for his development's sake. But if that's what they do, that's what they do. Injuries are going to be a thing. There is no such thing as being able to repeat the luck that the Jays had last year or good yeah, fortune, whatever you want to call it. Unlikely, so, yeah. You're right. Let's move on. Ross Atkins met with the media today. Uh, he was asked whether or not the Jays were still in a position to add players during the offseason. Uh, this is Caitlin McGrath. Uh, yeah, at Caitlin McGrath. Uh, Atkins responded with, quote, At this point, additions that would be of significance would mean some level of subtraction, which is a lot of words to say nothing at all. Yeah. So, Justin, I'm turning it over to you. Reading something like that tells me that they're not not engaged, <laughs> but they're also not. It's game. It feels like gamesmanship. Yeah, I mean, for me, if if I were unfamiliar with the way Ross Atkins speaks to the media, I would say, oh yeah, the Jays are done adding. Like they're done. Like there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing new happening. But, I mean, you look at the list of guys who are still available. You have the big ones like Bellinger and Matt Chapman and Blake Snell and J.D. Martinez, guys who could, if they were added to this team, make a big impact. Obviously, the Jays probably aren't going to sign Blake Snell because we just talked about their issue with the rotation already. So, the Blake Snell is not going to happen. So, there's some people out there who have been calling for it, but I'm sorry, it's not. I would love it, but it's not happening. But you have guys like jd martinez who are probably not going to happen either because of the justin turner signing so really it revolves around bellinger and chapman the jays still need to figure out their third base issue we know kevin biggio has left shoulder tendonitis he's the only jay that has any sort of lingering injury or current injury condition as, as that we know of yet and then you still have guys like isaiah Connor falefa who can play third base but will more likely be like a utility guy You've got utility Santiago Espinal who can play the infield as well. You've got Justin Turner who may, according to the team, get a c- he'll mostly play DH, but they said they'd sprinkle him in at first and third where where they can or when needed. Um, John Schneider also thinks he'll kind of be a middle of the order bat, which was understandable. But back to the the other issue, it's just yeah. I mean, there's I think the Jays they're still obviously in a position where one of those players that like a Bellinger or a Chapman would still make a big impact. 
not only defensively, but also with the bat as well. So I think Ross Atkins is just, like you said, playing the game, not revealing any cards. He's playing poker or black. Like he's not playing blackjack. His cards aren't face up on the table where everyone can see him. He's hiding them. He's holding them close to his chest, and I think he should. Scott Boris is still has like five or six clients without a contract. You don't, you don't, you don't want to give him any, any leverage. You take away as much as you can from that little shyster. You know, like it's, he's doing the right thing. I like it. I actually like what he said. Yeah. Because it's, it's funny. It's ga- it is very funny. It's <laughs> hilarious. But in a way that wouldn't be funny to like the average fan. Yeah. Yeah. The like average, the average, fan. the average friend would be infuriated by that statement. But the reality is that this team is going to have a hard time justifying carrying IKF and Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio and Ernie Clement and Spencer Horowitz. Yeah, that's all on the bench. Not happening. Yeah, all on the bench, all at the same time to try to create some version of Matt Chapman at third base <laughs> aggregate uh, BS. It's not going to yeah. work. So, and that's again, this conversation precludes another conversation about what happens if Cody Bellinger or Matt Chapman is signed by the Jays, which is still a non-zero probability. Yep. And Ross saying this doesn't. It really, again, it's all just a game at this point. Yeah, look, the Jays could sign Chapman tomorrow, and I would not be surprised, you know? Like, it. Nobody would be surprised. Especially not. I know, especially not Ross Atkins and Matt Chapman. (laughs) Only they know, and both of them are being quiet on purpose. Yeah. Because it's all about every ounce of leverage you can get at this point in the offseason matters. That's why Cody Bellinger hasn't signed. Um,. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. According to the rumors, which are probably BS, he hasn't been tendered an offer yet, which is crazy. That is insane. And it it also can't be true because you would think that the Cubs would still offer him a, another one year, like another prove it, you prove you can do it again deal, and then we'll sign you long term. But somebody at some point is going to blink in this whole process, and the question is: Is it going to be the clients of Scott Boris, or is it going to be? Teams, Ross Atkins yeah. and look at every signing that Atkins has ever made he there are a couple that are stinkers but there's an overwhelming, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah overwhelming amount of good moves yep um overwhelming and it's not his fault that the team you know struggled at the plate last year I agree he doesn't swing the bat for him but he certainly builds a lineup and he's got to be thinking at this point can this team win a division title with what they currently have at the hot corner, the aggregate they're trying to build? And I, I don't know. The answer is not what you want to hear. <laughs> um, but does it, the answer change with Matt Chapman? Uh, I, I think it does, I man. Yeah, I don't know if it does. I think yeah. it does though. We pooped on Matt Chapman's May to October last year repeatedly in the offseason saying we didn't want Matt Chapman uh, to be re-signed long-term because he was so atrociously bad mm-hmm. uh, for like five consecutive months. And then um, Dumb Dumb Patrick has been like, yeah, we go to sign Cody Bellinger, even though he just had one good year after <laughs> three really poopy years. And it's like, 
It's I, I sometimes I feel like a baby with no, with like no object permanence, and it's only the thing in front of me to see, that catches you see something my shiny, and you're just you're pumped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just have like yeah, just this like sense of childlike wonder over players who have one good year. Um, and Matt Chapman had one bad year, but defensively he is better than any internal option the Jays have at Correct. the plate. I would argue that he, you know, even though he was, he struggled tremendously and being generous about that from May to October, I don't think anybody could match his offensive output either. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Cavan, if he got like 600 plate appearances, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a big, maybe that's still, a in my big, maybe to, you know, the whole, to hinge a team on. Yeah. And this team's pitching staff is built to have a strong elite defensive uh, third baseman. 100%, Otherwise yep. you get a, get in a lot of trouble. So I think eventually the Jays have to ask themselves, you know, what is it about Matt Chapman that you're scared about? Is it the fact that he was, he struggled last year? Do you think his defense is going to decline that dramatically? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't up to his usual, standard the last two seasons but yeah i don't know it's still there i don't know there's a lot of questions and i think ross atkins is just it, this is just a game it's just I him agree. playing the system a couple more notes we already talked about cambigio having left shoulder tendonitis i'm not scared about that no but it's, also it's early <laughs> it's early but also if he has oh, issues if it's like march yeah and if he has he yeah. still has tendonitis issues like serious issues where it's like oh he might he might not be ready to you know by the end of spring training the jays are in a severe amount of trouble they're hinging a lot on cambigio being a super utility guy and a lot of time at second and third you know what i mean who's their second base who is this team's second baseman right now Biggio, Espinal, Connor Falafa, same guy, or David Schneider. Like it's, it's. Oh my God. David Schneider has said that he um, he had prioritized left second field. base and left field for this season. So. Which you love to hear. Yeah, I like that they're gonna. He's basically gonna be this year's Whit Merrifield because that's where Merrifield spent most of his outfield time. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hope. I mean, I ideally. Schneider gets 300 PAs, and if he if he's oh even, I think he'll get more than that honestly. If he gets if he's even 80 percent of what it, what he was last year, we're in a big W. But yeah, I think it means it kind of feels like they're starting to phase out George Springer, doesn't it? Where mm, you already have I Dalton Varsho, KK is back for a year. With that, well, where's he gonna hit play? Right field. <laughs> where's Dalton Varsho gonna play? Left field and center field. Where's KK gonna play center field and the bench. Where's David Schneider gonna play? Second base, left field on the bench. The thing is, David Schneider is gonna be there every time there's a lefty, Patrick, and one of KK and Barsh is gonna sit. You know? Yeah, and it's gonna be IKF, but at probably. Um, man, I'm just I'm ner real nervous about this strategy. I don't like this, like, ooh, it's an interesting puzzle. Like, I don't like that line. Like, it is, we are talking about a baseball, which is a game. <laughs> but this team's, 
you know, comp competitive window is open and has been open for four seasons and they have nothing to show for it. Zero playoff wins. And they're wanting to play an experiment. Maybe you do this if you're like a 70 win team, but this team is expected to win between like 88 and 97 games. Right. And you're playing games at second and third. I don't know, man. I don't, it feels weird. It's a weird, this is going to be a weird season. I don't know. You, there's, and it's not like there, no disrespect to uh, Schneider on the bench, but he's not Kevin Cash. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. There, we're not going to be able to raise our way into 93 wins or whatever. You're right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't like it. It feels weird. Anyway, the last thing. Ross Atkins, uh, this is from Keegan Matheson at Keegan Matheson. This was oh, there's more than the... there's there's two last things revolving the same person. Oh, okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> Ross Atkins explained the quote offensive coordinator role a bit more today. Last Thank you. year, <laughs> last year in basic terms, Dave Hudgens led strategy and Guillermo Martinez led the fundamentals. This year will be uh, quote a bit more hierarchical with Don Mattingly spearheading it at, as one voice. So, throughout the offseason, you were very vocal about how you thought that Don Mattingly was actually the guy who was, had all this influence on the hitters. But now it's come... That was wrong. It comes to light that it was, in fact, Dave Hudgens on the strategy and Guillermo mm -hmm. was the one doing the fundamentals. Which is interesting because both guys, deservingly so, got their criticism yep. for the performance at the plate. And the guy ultimately to blame is now moved to a different position and now don mattingly is the guy Agreed. so yeah just what are your thoughts on this and what's your expectation look i'm glad we got clarity i'm happy yep. i was wrong i didn't want it to be don mattingly's fault i was looking yeah for i know i was looking for a scapegoat and I'm, i found yep. one i'm glad i found one and i'm glad i was wrong um <laughs> I'm, I'm glad not Dave doing Hudgens. No, 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 no. Oh, no, yeah, no, okay. no, no. I totally get. It. I, I'm, I'm glad Dave Hudgens is now in Florida. Yeah. It's perfectly suited for his lifestyle. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm <right>. glad, <laughs> and I'm glad that we have clarity on what the hierarchy is. I am perfectly content with Guillermo Martinez being the fundamental, fun, fundamental guy, because prior to last year the Blue Jays were very good offensively. I am also perfectly happy with Don Mattingly being the guy, um, as this quote from Keegan says, a bit more hierarchical with Don Mattingly spearheading it as one voice. So obviously Mattingly and Guillermo are going to work together, but what Guillermo instructs the guys seems like it will be determined by mostly Mattingly if I'm reading this correctly and I think that the the committee as a whole thing it didn't work as an approach for the Jays somebody has to give the orders and I think Mattingly is suited to do so so I am happy with it that's yeah you, I like that you just you're ultra blunt there you're just like let's get right to it yeah here's yeah. what it is um, not that I expected anything different. I, I, I desperately wanted to bring this up because this was what I thought was the answer was that it was Dave Hudgens and he was the, that's why they made the, the move. Um, 
I, I also, I don't want Guillermo Martinez to just kind of fade into the bushes like Homer Simpson. Like, he did nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to be absolved fully. Even, like, because he was a part of the problem last year. So, yeah. with I again, the offensive coordinator is such a weird title. Yeah, we just um, watched the Super The Super Bowl just finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't watch the Super Bowl this year. It was a. It was the the game was not super exciting until like the very end. Was there? I mean, did they show Taylor a lot? That's really uh, the only fifty four seconds out of the entire broadcast, and people were still losing their minds. But we'll. That's, that's so pathetic. It's funny. Like, oh my yeah. god. People are hilarious, especially Americans. Taylor anyway. Swift. It's funny. Taylor Swift might actually be the X factor in the twenty twenty four presidential election, and I am here for it. I love it. Anyway, let's I'm not, not even a Swift. Anyway. <laughs> Well, Dave Hudgens will uh, enjoy Florida, I'm sure. and uh, I'm sure he won't be a difference maker in the 2024 presidential election. No, he'll be too busy yelling at clouds, probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, what was the last thing? Um, Don Mattingly has a beard now. Oh, God. <laughs> Keegan Matheson. I cannot possibly overstate how impressive Don Mattingly's new beard is. I've been blindsided by this development. We have a new candidate for story of the spring. Which he f- he also followed up with a picture of Mattingly's beard, and it is it is great. I mean, he's got sideburns, you guys. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen this yet. I it's, haven't seen the picture. It's great. It's there. It's for everyone to see. Is it? Uh, I'm trying to find it. It's a beard. Oh. Why am I struggling to find it? Um, is it on his Instagram? uh maybe i don't have instagram i need to see this that's not keegan matheson i know i know you're gonna say this isn't worth it but did i not send you it makes for bad radio but i'm i sent you a screenshot i sent it um around well around noon around one one p.m your time today along with my other dump of photos that i sent well, because sometimes I get distracted by pictures of of your dog. Or Formula One cars or whatever or else Formula we were One talking cars about. Or like any of the 952,000 things that we chat about yeah. in our free time. Oh, my See God. It? That's a beard. The man's got a beard. That man, that does not look like Don Mattingly at all. You, yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if you saw that man on the street. You would not recognize that as Don Mattingly until you were like, that's Don Mattingly. And somebody would be like, oh my god. No, someone would have to tell me it's Don yeah. Mattingly because it doesn't look like him at all. Yeah, he's, he came in. It's it's beard season. We know oh Kikuchi, Kikuchi dominated after he grew a beard. Manoa's got a bigger beard now. I think everyone just knows he, that the beard adds like 10 to all attributes. So Okay, part of the reason <laughs> is because Don Mattingly played his whole career for the Yankees. Who have that, the rule, right? You're not allowed to have facial hair. You can't have the facial hair. You got to stay at those uh, sideburns. He was also, yeah, he was also a coach <laughs> uh, for the Yankees for three years, too. And maybe he just got used to it. But now he's, right. he looks like a totally different person. If you told me that was, that man hit uh, 307. Actually, he's yoked. He does look like he hit 307 for his career. <laughs> He looks like he batted in 1,099 runs for sure. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. He's 62 years old. That man looks like he 
is younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. You know what? This has been a great episode. I don't have much else to say, Justin. No, so we've 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 up. been talking for an hour and 11 minutes now about holy sh this is one of the longest episodes we've done in probably it's a show it's a show about nothing folks uh, <laughs> well no, i've got nothing left i think uh I'm, i think we're both happy that that we have spring news and things to talk about again the winter was oh, yeah. long and soon within the, like oh, in like the next week there will be spring baseball games I'm looking forward to that. Uh, they're calling it like the spring breakout, where they're gonna have like a game with like all prospects, which I'm looking forward to. I think that Tiedemann or Elvis and uh, who was the other one? I can't remember. There's maybe a few guys highlighted in that game for the Jays, so I'm looking forward to that. It'll be fun to watch. A bunch of prospects play, but yeah, no, it's it's great. I'm glad baseball's back. We'll have no shortage of news. Hopefully, some more signings or trades or something will happen to keep improving this team. But I mean, it's it's crazy how one day of like best shape of their life news can just like erase all the negativity of the off season. I'm already like I'm hyped again, you know. The like sadness of yeah <laughs> of like not signing anybody or well mm -hmm. I get uh, well we get signed players. But yeah, that's all over. It's baseball now. We back. But uh, that'll be it for us. If you like what we do, give us a follow on Twitter at BFMD Podcast. Website is BFMDPodcast.com. Not sure when we'll be back, but it'll be sooner than it has been because there's actually stuff to talk about now. But for Patrick out in Halifax, I am Justin here in Saskatoon, and we will see you next time.